ears. Welcome to Pop Culture Hangfire with Christian Gabriel. The podcast where we normally educate Gabe on pop culture and the things he missed while being homeschooled. But today we're dedicating this to the Marine Corps. Sixth birthday coming up. In honor of a tw- birthday. In a happy birthday, Marines! All of you out there, current and former Marines, and as they say, not as lean, not as mean, but still a Marine. Now, the reason why we're uh, doing this, besides it being the Marine Corps birthday, uh, is also because both Gabe and I were Marines. I was a Marine uh, from '98 to 2004. Gabe. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps from 2006 to 2009. And it's interesting because I was in when 9-11 happened, and then you were motivated by 9-11 to join. Yeah, yeah, in large part, 9-11 was a formative experience. I had heard about the Marines uh, while I was in, in high school. What ended up happening was I, I talked to a recruiter, and you know, lo and behold, their uh, marketing worked. as I was not very studious in high school. <laughs> let's just let's just say that. Having also been uh, from an immigrant family uh, and an immigrant myself, obviously, there weren't a lot of options of what I wanted to do after high school. I knew what I didn't want to do, and I didn't want to do what everyone else was doing. I definitely wasn't going to go to college, and I didn't have any experience to be able to start anything other than some fast food chain. So I knew I wanted to avoid all that. So after talking to a recruiter and seeing the available things to me, I, I, uh, I signed up and uh, spent two months enjoying my summer and then headed off to boot camp in October. I joined and was infantry, 0341 Mortarman. Hoorah. And yourself, Gabe, how did you, uh, how did you get in? Yeah, so my best friend in high school, who was a few years older than me, uh, enlisted, and I got to watch his process and his transformation. I got to attend his graduation. I still have letters that I got while he was in boot camp. That kind of helped solidify the direction because, again, I had there's a, I, this is you know we're talking like 2004, 2005. Like this is right when things are really popping off. You had Fallujah happen. Um, everything in the news about the Marines, everything going on in the world. And that sort of solidified my direction. So I graduated high school. I, some of our some of our background differs extremely. Uh, I graduated a, a year a year early from high school and uh, enlisted, but I had to go through delayed entry because um, my mother wouldn't sign the paperwork. Oh, or snap. actually, I'm sorry, correction. My dad wouldn't sign. My mom would, actually. And my dad would not sign off uh, at, at age 17 for me to go. So I uh, attended college for a year, which got me a meritorious promotion um, for education. Um, and uh, brats. We hated you guys. <laughs> we earned and, our uh, rank. The month that I turned 18, I went to boot camp. So I, uh, in May, like three weeks after my birthday, nice. I was in boot camp in uh, San Diego. Um, also infantry, I went in open infantry contract, 
uh, I chose Machine Gunner, so 0331. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was an experience. And that's kind of where this um, this conversation comes up. Now, because our podcast is about pop culture and introducing you to some of the pop culture you might have missed, we're dedicating this to Marines, but we're sticking to our format. So this podcast is Marines in Pop Culture. So today we'll be discussing famous Marines, Marines in movies, fictional Marines, innovating Marines, like just, you know, a good, good old fashioned um, dump of information. Now, for this, we both prepared. So normally I prepare and I ha and I get an, uh, a reaction from Gabe. In this one, we're both going to share what we found, either from what we already knew to what uh, we found doing the research, which was a lot of fun to do. Now, when we say we're celebrating the Marine Corps birthday, we're celebrating the birth of the Marine Corps as we know it. Now, Marines have actually been around uh, much longer than the than the actual Marine Corps. Uh, as early as the six, mid-1600s, the English actually adopted the Marine Regiment, which was used when England went against the, the Dutch, when they also had their war with Spain. Um, I think that was the first time the, the, the word, you know, Marine for what we know them as now was, was first coined. And then in the 1700s, they were known and they were used. Uh, I think these were the same individuals that were used to uh, to capture Guantanamo Bay, Guantanamo Bay in Cuba for for the for the for Great Britain. Now, in the 1700s, as the Marines were getting known for for their work, when they weren't, you know, uh, actually doing the the uh, ground attacks. They were used for a variety of things uh, when fighting on ships. One of the most renowned things that they were used for, which I always think is, is the coolest thing, Marines were kept on ships and they were kept at the crow's, crow's nest? Is that, that's what it's called. Crow's right? nest, yeah. Crow's nest. And they were basically, uh, they, were, they would keep two of them up there. On the ship, the Marines were actually used almost like a, as drill instructors to enforce the the duties that the Navy guys, the, the sailors had to do. So they were they were kind of like the enforcers of that and, and supervisors of that. And then uh, Marines were kept in the crow's nest so that they would be used as sharpshooters and grenadiers whenever uh, they were uh, fighting with another ship. Once the ships were too close and it didn't matter that they would come down and basically become part of the boarding parties, which is now kind of what they're known for, like the, you know, the, the, the forward attackers, the front line. So it wasn't until until April of 1775 when you know the the uh, revolutionary war started to kind of come about that when the Americans were looking into you know their own force in good old Tun, Tun Tavern is uh is when when um on November 10th the Marine Corps was actually created as we know it now where they were actually called the Continental Marines, right? That was their actual, mm -hmm. their, their, their name. So that's what we're, we're celebrating. We're celebrating the birth of the Marine Corps as we know it. But like I said, the Marines themselves had already a reputation and had been around for at least a hundred years before they were formally turned into a regiment and a battalion. Resolution Having... stating that two battalions of Marines shall be raised exactly. for services landing forces with the fleet. Having said that, Let's go into into pop culture. So the, the fun one is famous Marines, right? So when we say this, it's people who you know, either actors, singers, artists, and things like that. 
um, who were actually Marines in their in their lives before they became those things. So, Gabe, who do you got? Uh, at the top of the list is one that I knew, and the picture is always still pretty stu- stunning. I kept it up in front of me because I wanted to look at it for this, but uh, Drew Carey. Yes, yes. I remember when I first heard about this, and after I heard it, I'm all like, oh, the haircut, the the, the glasses. <laughs> so he kept the glasses of all did. things. You know, and those became stylish, like like much like the haircuts. As time went on, some of that stuff became kind of stylish. It was n- not, never intended to be stylish. The CBs, right? <laughs> the oft mocked, yeah. The BCG's birth control glasses, yeah. As I recall, there's a got? funny story. I actually, when when I was getting my eyes tested during basic training, so I used to have perfect vision. They asked me to, like, they said I, there was some confusion about because you know they're rushing you through all the medical stuff, right? And it's do this, do this, do this, and they're stamping your file, and you know, on you go. And they said something like there was conflicting instructions about read this line, the 2020, and read the lowest line you can read. Well, I read a line lower than 2020, and they thought I was completely blind. Like, they thought I needed glasses. <laughs> so I saw them slap the glasses sticker on my file, and I was like, this is one of the times I spoke up, and I was like, hold on, because I, I, I did not want those glasses. I was like, hold on. W- was I supposed to read this? And they're like, oh, read it again? And then they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So they tore the, the sticker off, but I was like narrowly dodged having some weird prescription oh, <laughs> having to wear those oh i definitely uh i definitely had to wear my <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i was a victim of that so i definitely know exactly what drew carey went through yep um yeah so uh the marine corps reserves from 1980 to 86 um he like we said he, he credits his trademark haircut and glasses to time spent he uh, tried his hand to stand up comedy and earned $10 per joke while in the Marines. Nice. So, uh, his picture, if anybody uh, listening wants to look it up, when you look up his actual, like, uh, his headshot that they have when he was in, is uh, it's it's a little bit different. He's, bit different. he's, hand, he's handsome and he looks he, a little muscular. He, he's a handsome young man. <laughs> he definitely looks a little muscular, too. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Who, who else do you got? We have Montel Williams. I saw that one. And th- here's the thing, though. I don't think a lot of people will like I know Montel Williams because he was very popular with his TV show right. during I, the, his hate. Even I was cognizant of that. OK, OK. So I, I knew of him. I actually didn't know he was a Marine, though. I didn't know that either. I, this was fun to find that out. Yeah. Um, so uh, show host, public speaker. Um, he, he started early on in the Marine Corps uh, right out of high school. Oh wow! He impressed his superiors and was recommended for and accepted for placement in the Naval Academy. Let's see here. What else did they say about him? I had well, another. That, let, let's not here. spend too much time on Montel Williams. Let's, if we're going to spend time on on people, let's spend time on the good ones. <laughs> not to he be had, not uh, to be rude to Montel Williams, but I'm just saying. Not to be rude. I think he had. Wasn't he? I think he was. Uh, yeah, he was accepted as the first Black Marine into the four year officer program at the Naval Academy. Oh, okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, historic. That is. There you go. Yeah. Surprising, because that's the 90s, right? Or 80s? Uh, that is 1975. Okay. Okay. Still surprising. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like they should have been doing that a lot earlier. But okay. Hey, hey, no judgment. Yeah, you know. No judgment. <laughs> Who else you got? Uh, Rob Riggle. Rob Riggle. I knew about him uh, because <laughs> he's still, actually, I think he's still in the reserves now as an officer. No, no. He he um, he retired in 2013. Oh, did he? years. Holy crap. Yeah. 23 I, I, years in the Marine Corps, he retired. I remember reading about him and him talking about it. I was like, Rob Riggle? And then as you saw, you're like, okay, 
I can see him as an officer. He kind of looks like a. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of it kind of fits. Reservist. I can't believe he retired. He had 23 years. That's incredible. Who else you got? Uh, Shaggy. Also very surprising to see that name on there. Yes. And uh, his era, like right there, Gulf War One. Yeah. Yeah, he I know. Was, uh, field artillery crewman, 0811. Yeah. Crazy, huh? Uh, he, they said he perfected his sound and his singing while he was in the Marine Corps. Like, <laughs> he practiced. And, and let's be honest, like, there was definitely guys doing that. Like, people were going places, I'm air quoting. Like, yeah. you know, everybody had something else going on. You know, kick, kicking around in the barracks, you always heard something. And uh, here's one that actually went somewhere. Yeah, no, that's interesting. That's awesome. All right, who else you got? Okay, here's one that I had also heard before and knew about. Uh, Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman. Actually, I did not know about it until I looked at it. I was like, oh, no kidding. I, that, that was a good surprise for me. He enlisted at 16. Uh, his parents signed for him. <laughs> nice. And he was a radio operator in China. And that's kind of, he tried his hand at being a disc jockey and newscaster. So perhaps a little bit of uh, the introduction into trying to be in a public persona there. But yeah, probably our, our most uh, uh, decorated in terms of fame and fortune, you know, as actually, an award winner. Actually, I think we might have one or two other ones that are that beat him. Oh, it's still living, I should say. Oh, well, I think. Yeah, I think we might Is have, it? We okay, might have okay. one. We might have Maybe one. Maybe you got others. Okay, okay. Steve McQueen. Of course. King of Cool. Yep. yep. The King of Cool. He claims to have joined the Marines simply because he was bored of watching girls go by in the sun. <laughs> that i believe but for some reason i feel like steve mcqueen would do that <laughs> he would he uh he's a paris island marine that's where he went through boot camp mm-hmm. uh he was hang on how many times uh demoted seven times the private <laughs> they don't come cooler than that oh like you got way more information than me man oh that's awesome yeah, yeah, yeah. He uh, he received permission from his mother in 1947 when he enlisted. He was uh, promoted to private first class and assigned to an armored unit. Um, he initially struggled conforming to the discipline, hence the seven demotions. He went UA uh, after failing to return from weekend pass. He was caught by a shore patrol while staying with a girlfriend for two weeks. After resisting arrest, he was sentenced to 41 days in the brig. After that, he like got his stuff together. Like that was the that was the the last time, and he. Uh, he did well after that. Um, he was even, hang on here, he saved the lives of five other Marines during an Arctic exercise, pulling them from a tank before it broke through the ice into the sea. Wow. He was then assigned to the honor guard responsible for guarding the presidential yacht for U.S. President Harry Truman. Wow. Honorably discharged in 1950. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, that one, like, some of the details there are surprising, right? Because you know, like, oh, yeah. they were in for a couple years or did a thing. Like, he, uh, he had the full experience. Who else you got? Adam Driver. Adam Driver. I also knew about. Yes. Also a fellow mortarman. He is. I was going to make sure to point that out just in case you didn't see. So, yeah. uh, And also a a huge proponent for the arts and for like expressing your like this will tie into some of later what we want to talk about. I know. And uh, he's he's big for supporting Marines after they're out. He does a lot of work with that. So huge respect for Adam Driver there. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, we're not gonna necessarily talk too much about him but gary sinise is the same way for yeah yeah uh, for a lot of work for veterans and people who get out awesome awesome work all right who else you got that was my those were my top hits okay i got a cup i got a couple of top hits uh for me 
uh, Golden Girl uh, B. Arthur was a Marine. That's right. I had heard that. <laughs> yeah, she was. <laughs> uh, the other big one that I was going to say was Harvey Keitel. Mr. Mr. What color was he? Was he Mr. Brr? No. Mr. Pink? No, no, no. Mm-mm. Who was he? Which which reservoir dog was he? He wasn't. Oh, he was Mr. White, wasn't he? He probably. I think he got one of the good ones. Didn't yeah. He? Mr. White. Mr. White. Yeah. Oh, and the wolf, obviously, in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> yes. A former Marine. Ernie Hudson. Ghostbuster. There would have to be one in that in that team. Yep. I think. Yep. I thought that was actually very cool. I remember in a previous episode, we talked about Don Adams from Get Smart. He was a Marine. Yeah. Speaking of of, uh, of uh, performers and singers, Nate Dogg, regulator Nate Dogg was in the Marines. How about that? Right? That one surprised the know. hell out of me. <laughs> yep. At the age of uh, 17, he dropped out of high school and uh, joined the Marine Corps, serving for three years. He was an uh, ammunitionist uh, specialist. So that was awesome to hear about Nate Dogg. And then I have like a, a couple like lesser known actors. Um, Brian Dennehy, uh, George C. Scott from the movie uh, uh, Patton. Mm. Uh, Burt Young, the, the brother-in-law of Rocky and other Rocky movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ed McMahon, uh, Johnny Carson's uh, co-host, also a Marine. An aviator too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so those are the ones I got for uh, for famous Marines. And while we're on the so- on the topic of famous Marines, let's talk about famous Marines within the Marines, meaning not like actor singers. So I um, I think the first one that always comes to mind is um, is John Glenn to me for some reason. Uh, first astronaut to orbit the moon, and or no, orbit the Earth. I'm sorry, first astronaut to orbit the Earth but also uh, first Marine astronaut. So I thought, I thought that was very cool. So the first, uh, the first African-American woman Marine, her name was uh, Annie Neal Graham. The first woman Marine, Ofa Mae Johnson. We have Ira Hayes, who we all know because uh, of the uh, raising of the Iwo Jima flag. Uh, Native American. Do you think that's the most famous Marine picture? It's got to be, right? <sighs> Let me see. That's like when you talk about Marine Corps and there's photography like that. I think if people don't know that that's the Marine Corps, you'll find out. And like if you that's just an and if you don't picture. and if you don't know what it is, you've seen the picture. I, I, I yeah, I think, you've seen it. I yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Actually, I think it has to be the most famous picture of the Marines, if not like top five most famous pictures in history to begin with. Yeah, no, that's such an iconic shot. You know, the uh, the photographer was actually um, made an honorary Marine. No kidding. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. We have the first African Marine, uh, Alfred uh, Masters. A couple other Marines that we want to mention because of what they what they were able to accomplish, right? So we have like the most famous Marine sniper, Carlos Hatchcock, uh, known for 93 confirmed kills during the Vietnam War. Now, for the longest time, he was to b- believed to have been the most famous sniper for the most kills during Vietnam. But later on in, in life, or later on in history, we had Chuck Mahini? Mahini? I'm, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce his last name. But he actually is 
has been confirmed to have the most kills during the Vietnam War. So he just he wasn't as as vocal about it as Carlos <laughs> about his work, but it eventually was confirmed that he actually did have more kills um, as a sniper uh, during the Vietnam War. Uh, so we want to make sure we give credit to that. Now, this is a this is a um, controversial person to give credit to, but <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald was a Marine. <laughs> did, you had to have you probably got the same the same talk I did during marksmanship training. Yeah, did uh, they if, brag about him? Is it the one about? Is it the same talk that they gave in uh, Full Metal Jacket? <laughs> I mean, so basically, like uh, it's funny because sometimes you know. It, it's it it really is you know it's not over dramatized but i remember they they wanted to be sure to point out that kind of marksmanship with a bolt action rifle you know regardless of what people think of whether he actually fired whether there was actually a hit like the marine corps takes takes credit for that marksmanship skill not the act but the skill so that definitely got pointed out to us during infantry training yeah no i i completely agree because that's one of those things that like, i've always felt strongly about right competition where there is a clear and definite winner there is no judges involved right and when it comes to marksmanship and sharpshooting i think that's one of those things either you hit the target or you didn't like it's it's very plain and simple and the fact that this man was able to get a very accurate headshot on a moving target registered registered two hits in some kind of uh in like eight seconds or something might have been less might have been less with a bolt action with a bolt-action rifle, it's, one of which was a headshot. Yeah, it's very impressive. It is. When you talk about sharpshooting, not when you talk about the speaking. act of assassinating a, US, a sitting U.S. president. So, you know, again, though, we're talking about Marines who are known for, and that's one of those people. So we, have, did come up. we have to mention him uh, because he is part of history at this point. And then the last person to talk about which leads us into the conversation after this, is um, Louis Burwell Puller, also known as Chesty Puller, the most uh, decorated Marine in Marine history, starting his career in the 1910s, I believe, during the First uh, uh, World War, getting his fame in the Banana Wars, which... <laughs> It's one of those things where, like, I'm very proud of the Marines. I'm very proud of of uh, what Chesty stands for. But he also got his fame fighting in Nicaragua and in Haiti <laughs> against my people. <laughs> so, again, you know, I, I, it was before my time. I'll forgive it. But, uh, yes, most decorated Marine. Now, I mentioned to you, hey, do you know about Chesty Puller's son? And his story, and you actually said, no, actually. I don't. So I said, okay, don't read up on it, because this is what I want to tell you. Because as much as we're, we're having fun, right, we're talking about something we're very passionate about, and, and, and to a certain extent, we're glorifying what the Marines are and what they do. But I think that something we want to, or at least I want to discuss, is one of the biggest things that I walked away out of the Marine Corps was the brotherhood, right? I met Gabe and I've met other people that the minute they've told me they were Marines, they already had an in with me. Once I found out what, I, what they did in the Marines, then it got a little sketchy, right? I got, like I met a Marine who was in the band and I was like, yeah, but you, but you really, yeah. And, and even like, even like Pogues, I'll be like, oh, I mean, you were a Pogue, but, but if they have the right attitude, you can kind of forgive it, right? 
it's one of those things where, where I have been uh, all over the world and all over the U.S. At least I've visited 36 states. I've been drunk in well over 50 cities around the U.S. And I've met Marines or servicemen throughout the country who, uh, who again, have, have become very quick friends because you have that, that connection with them, having served and having served in the, in the, in the Marine Corps. So with that, it's something that, that often gets politicized when necessary is, you know, what happens after you get out? What happens after you've been in, in, in some shit and, and you are, are transitioning over into the civilian world? Uh, I know for a fact that, you know, getting out was, was easy to get out, but living with civilians was a little bit difficult in the beginning. Because you are used to a very structured workplace, and then you come out to the, you know, to the civilian world, and people aren't as structured, and they don't care as much, and there's no brotherhood. There's nothing where people are willing to sacrifice for each other. The minimum bar of respect is a lot uh, lower. It is, it is. And I think one of the things that what both of us can agree on is there's a lot of impression of what a Marine is when they're in and when they get out. And sometimes when you get out, you maintain that that uh, that persona because you're living up to the name. And sometimes there's a lot of things going on under that, you know, in the foundation that sometimes it's shaking in your personality and things like that. So one of the biggest things that I want to say before we go into the story uh, is that, you know, if you need help, obviously there's a lot of places where you can get it and you should definitely look into it. Because part of that brotherhood comes with a lot of that help. And uh, and sometimes when people look like they're fine, it's probably because that's what they're showing you. But as the individual that's doing that, you it's okay to get help. I'll be the first one to admit that six years after I got out is when I, I saw a, a psychologist for, for a little bit. Because I was going through something and I didn't understand it. And the VA was there to help me out. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's not pride. It's nothing like that. It's just trying to figure out what was going on and it helped me understand it. A lot of people don't get it, but you should, if you're questioning it, especially because your friends are, are the best people in the world because they know civilian friends. They're amazing in the sense of like, they know you're off, but they also know where you got it. So they're like, well, it's because he was in the Marines. That's why he's a little off. So you got to love them for it. But at the same time, they're kind of enabling you because they're like, oh, yeah, Christian drinks a lot. But it's because he was in the Marines. <laughs> that's just what they do. That's just what exactly. That's just what they do. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. So God love our civilian uh, friends, but they're definitely enablers to to the to that persona, that Superman, that, you know, that pop culture and, and everything else has created for us. Uh, so yeah, so you know, just be aware that there is another another side to it, and sometimes, and sometimes, uh, you know, uh, we need help, and and we shouldn't be ashamed to ask for help and accept help. So the reason why I bring this up is because, as I was doing this research, I found out that Chesty Puller had a son. I had never like in the in the Marine Corps history, in the Marine Corps, in the Marine Corps, they never talk about Chesty Puller Jr. Right no. in 1944. Well, Junior, because, I mean, he, he literally has the same name. Um, <laughs> so I'm like, wait a minute, what's his name? Oh, yeah, it's the same name as his dad. Yeah, Louis 
uh, Burwell Puller Jr. was born in 1945, actually, I'm sorry, when Chesty Puller was about 47 years old. And if you look at Chesty Puller's history, right after the Second World War, 45, he comes home. And in 1950, he goes off to Korea. So he's got five years at home. During that time, he has a son in his late 40s. Okay. He, Chesty, actually, Chesty Sr., actually also had a brother, Samuel Puller, who uh, actually died in combat in 1944 uh, due to sniper fire. So he's home for five years in, in 40, uh, between 44 and, and 44, 45 and 1950. And he has a son, uh, a junior. His son, basically, I mean, you're born to the most decorated and most well-known Marine in the fucking world. Who's still a name. Who's still alive and still like kicking ass. So he follows in his father's footsteps and joins. Oh, man. And becomes, a, and, you know, becomes a, a infantry. So in that, that is unsurprising, in, but what a hard, he picked a hard patch to hoe with that you, name. You, I mean, yeah, there's, okay, the name alone, you join the service, the same service as your father, there's an expectation. And I'm sure like part of it is expectation and part of it is push, right? Anyone who knew your father is going to give you a fucking pass. And anyone who doesn't know or, or respects your father isn't going to give you a pass and make you work harder for it. I'm going to go with yes and no there, too, because you think about, like, did you have anybody in any of your, like, platoons in boot camp who had, like, a, a, a Marine tattoo going in? Uh, yes. Was anybody foolish enough? There was one, yeah. And I think it's because yeah. it was a family thing. Father, grandfather. Yeah. It didn't matter. We had a guy who was for his grandfather or something. And, boy, it's got to be a little different. But I'm picturing that kind of treatment. Like, you're going to get the extra treatment because of, you know, like, okay. You could take it, but, but like, people, I, I think only a certain amount, though, if you think about it, because you're still just I mean, a son. I, I feel like yes and no, but like Marines being Marines, like, I don't know. Me, tell me the story. I'm just I'm 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 sitting here picturing things for him already. So he jo so he joins, you know, goes through the service and in and, and gets called into Vietnam, actually, in 68. Oof. So in July 68, he goes in as a infantry platoon leader. October 68. He steps on a booby trap and loses both legs and severely injures his hands, uh, including missing fingers. It takes a couple of years, maybe five years for him to kind of recover from this. Uh, eventually, he gets back into the real world, though. He has two children. He gets his law degree. And by 74, he's practicing law. Wow. Yeah. Now, throughout this time, though, he's 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 got some uh, he's got some. Uh, uh, issues with alcoholism and in 81 he actually goes to aa and basically you know is able to to quit drinking unfortunately like anything else he has a couple relapses depression uh kicks in once in a while and in 91 90 he kind of has kicked it out again like he's doing really well and in 91 he writes his memoir uh called uh, fortunate son uh the autobiography of uh lewis Burnell. Uh, Burwell Puller Jr. And he talks about, you know, military, dealing with depression, dealing with the things that he dealt with, uh, you know, from having been having been uh, injured in combat. And in 92, he actually wins the Pulitzer Prize for uh, for oh. literature and autobiography for his autobiography. Something else that happens in 91 is also he gets divorced uh, or separated. Him and his wife get separated. 
So yeah, so in '91 he writes the, his his uh, memoir. In '92 he gets a Pulitzer Prize for his work. But there's a bit of a downward spiral from '92 to '94, where the alcoholism came back. He had been on, he had actually been on painkillers from his wounds and had kind of continued. So unfortunately, in '94 he he did uh, take his life with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. It, it's one of those sad stories, right? Where, like I said. It, he had a rep like we talked about he had a reputation that he needed to live up to and to have then and been he did it sounds like he did but then if you think about it right what he, his dad had accomplished at that age and what he accomplished in the next 20 30 years he never got to do he he was pretty much shut down now he his life was spared obviously but you can only imagine you know what that did to his psyche as far as like living up to that name like we talked about and living up to maybe an expectation an unreal expectation of him yeah internally people internalize things like that because i want to say like from the outside like just coming like overcoming the injuries and getting a degree and all that like it, that's spectacular like what an unqualified success on his own you know what i mean yeah but uh i'm sure he didn't feel that way yeah no definitely and yeah and that's and that's kind of what i you know uh you know, we're 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 celebrating the Marine Corps and we're celebrating our time and we're celebrating what the Marines mean to our culture. But at the same time, I also not to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm like, you know, there's things that, that we don't we don't talk about enough. And and again, it's one of those things where even the greatest of us have issues and have problems. And, and it's OK to ask for help. It's OK to talk to people. You have the help. Uh, you know, I definitely uh, go for it and ask for it. It's it's there, but yeah, it's a sad story, and and uh, and again, probably one of many, probably one of many. You know, I think that there's a stigma that comes with, have, with being a marine, and there's an even bigger one with having uh, with having served and, and gone to combat. Um, some of us are not are, are more fortunate when we see when we when we were involved in combat. Uh, and some, you know, some come, you know, some of us come back with wounds you and scars you can't see, and and some come back with with ones you can. That's just how how the the universe deals its cards, you know. But uh, uh, the thing to take away from this is is that it's okay to get help, and that help is out there for anybody, you know, who, who it's wants not, it. I, I think it's not even just like it's okay, but like it it takes you got to be strong to ask for help. It's a hard step to take, but it's worth it. It is definitely is. With that, we can get back to a little bit uh, lighter. Gabe, what do you got for Marine? Oh, so the next section, Marine movies and TV shows. What do you got? Okay, so we start off real strong. Uh, Full Metal Jacket uh, from 1987. Uh, okay, so quick summary. Uh, a pragmatic U.S. Marine observes the dehumanizing effects of the U.S. Vietnam, the US -Vietnam War has on his fellow recruits from their brutal boot camp training to the bloody street fighting of way um the little their little reason to watch film metal jacket it's it's really two films in one uh, act one depicting a realistic look at vietnam era boot camp act two showing life for marines in the battle for way city uh the performance marines love and can perfectly quote comes from r lee ermy who plays uh drill instructor gunnery sergeant hartman seemingly yes. never-ending source of great singers the one thing i will add to that is read the book the short timers by gustav hansberg I have that book. I've read it a few times. If you think you can quote the movie, oh my God, the book is just as good, if not better. This is one, uh, this was one of my preparatory movies for 
mindless and i watched i I bought and and watched the movie and and watched the beginning the act one countless times trying to like glean every bit of information and i mean aside from the changes of uh generationally from what is what is allowed and what actually happened like a very accurate depiction i'm sure it was even more accurate for its era but like what gets said and 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 delivery so actually you bring up a, a, a before we continue a good question so yes, Full Metal Jacket for me. Once I was in and I was gonna join, something to watch. Do you recall what like Marine, you know, movies you watched before you even joined, or or movies like that you were like, oh, these these are good, and and later on you're like, oh, this was a Marine movie. They're gonna put that together. I mean, I think the one that goes farthest back, like that that I can that I know was and was before it comes a little later on the list would be uh, Sands of Iwo Jima. Okay, um, because I've watched a ton of John Wayne movies. Right. It falls in that old school movie. Did you know what some of the other old timey movies probably kind of were? But it would have been like you know anything in the Pacific Islands, World War Two. There's Marines. I didn't know when I was a kid, but yeah, but mostly that. I mean, I again, I was I was probably 15 or so when I kind of knew where I was headed. So I was cognizant of of what I was looking at. And uh, that's kind of when I remember I read the Tom Clancy book, you know, uh, U.S. Marines. It was, the, you know, history and things about the Marine Corps. Uh, I tried I tried my best to to prepare. And honestly, nothing you read is can truly nothing you read or watch can truly prepare you for the actual experience. But I, I certainly took an active interest fairly early on, all things considered. So for me. I was never paying att- like I I loved war movies, uh, yeah. but I never paid attention to like oh this is the navy this is the army and stuff like that. So for me it was uh, Heartbreak Ridge, Clint Eastwood obviously because of you know the good the bad and the ugly. Somehow it all connects back to the good the bad and the ugly. Every episode. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember watching Heartbreak Ridge and I was like oh man like this is such a cool tough dude you know. And like in the movie and then going through boot camp going through the Marines and then watching it again I was like. This movie is so inaccurate. <laughs> the only thing they got right was the covers. <laughs> but yeah, but I think that was one of those movies where like I remember watching it, I remember liking it. I remember liking the attitude and and what they were like projecting of like this type of elite individuals who could pull something off, you know? Because I, I remember, like, The Dirty Dozen, and, and I remember, like, you know, Inglorious Bastards, like, all those, like, the, the old ones. But again, they weren't focusing on a specific, the individual force that was pushing them. It was the individuals. Yeah. While in, like, Heartbreak Ridge, it was like, no, we're talking about Marines here. Uh, you know, it was like, there's there's soldiers, there's people in the military, and then there's Marines. They started to, to like, really separate themselves from, like, the rest of them. And I think that's that's the movie that I always think of. That made an impression of like, okay, this is different because this is not about a ragtag. No, this is a specific unit of people. Yeah, a lot of them, a lot of these, I didn't, well, I either didn't see them until after I was in or I didn't see them until I was kind of doing my homework. I saw Jarhead while while getting ready to go. Like, so a lot of these I was already cognizant. I remember uh, something I I revisited and and here's a funny one, Jag. um, (laughs) It, primarily your 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 main protagonist is is a uh, naval uh, yep. judge advocate but uh his partner later on is a marine and also there's some notable marines in it so we're going to talk about fictional marines in a bit but right now let's continue with movies what else you got yes yes okay so here's one that i hadn't seen taking chance have you seen that kevin bacon yeah 
Yeah, I saw it a, a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have it. That's from 2009. Uh, based on real-life events, Lieutenant Colonel Michael Strobel, a volunteer military escort officer, accompanies the body of 19-year-old Marine Chance Phelps back to his hometown of Dubois, Wyoming. Yeah, so I, that's one I haven't seen. And uh, interesting that it's a different perspective. It's not focusing on battle scenes. Um, it's focusing on kind of the oft-overlooked um, after effects of what happens. So yep. um, that's, that's on the list. I think that's one that you got to probably be in the right mood to watch. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I'm very curious now because I have not seen that. All right. Go on. What else? Jarhead, 2005. No. <laughs> not much more to Based say on- about that. It's almost the same <laughs> as like, it's like Full Metal Jacket. You're like, Marine movie, Full Metal Jacket, Jarhead, Full Metal Jacket. Yeah, yeah. It's- yeah, it's just a, a another one that's I, I. It's been a while since I watched it, but again, another fairly accurate uh, as far as movies go representation. Yeah, yeah, that's one of those movies that effed me up real good. <laughs> yeah, no. What else you got? Huh. Sands of Iwo Jima, nineteen forty nine. That's a classic one. Yeah, classic. Another super inaccurate. With oh yeah, yeah. M- most everything, but the it captures the spirit, the indomitable spirit, courtesy of John Wayne. Yes. Yes. Go. What else you got? Another uh, thing of note there was that's one of the ones where John Wayne he dies. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's one of those you know, very he rare. Usually, rare. he usually got that, and that stuck with me as a kid because John Wayne always lived. You know, he was he survived. He got hurt. Things happened, but he survived. He dies. He gives his life in that one, which I think is also uh, uh, notable. Um, okay, two thousand six. Here's one. Another one that I haven't seen that I really should. Flags of Our Fathers. Ooh, the Clint Eastwood, huh? Mm-hmm. With uh, was it Ryan Phillippe? I think so. Yeah, and that's the one about the the corpsman who was part of the Iwo, Iwo Jima flag raising, right? It's about the the six men, yeah, involved yeah. in the flag raising yeah. of Iwo Jima. Yeah, yeah, that was a fun one. That was a good one. I mean, fun, but it was a good one. Very accurate too to the book. Yeah, no, that's another one where they went to they went out of their way to be accurate. Eastwood again. I'm just saying he's going to keep coming up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking of which, the next one is Heartbreak Ridge, okay. 1986. Awesome. Uh, already touched on that. Our hard-nosed, hard-living gunnery sergeant. Yeah. It uh, doesn't have to be accurate. It just has to. It captures the spirit. The spirit. <laughs> Here's one that I didn't think about when I was putting this until I saw it. And I have seen the movie. And I remember being, um, I thought it was very a very interesting movie. Uh, Rules of Engagement. Yes, with... Um... Samuel Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. And Tommy Lee Jones. Yes, yes, yes. That's There's an good, interesting one. That's a, a good an one. An attorney defends an officer on trial for ordering his troops to fire on civilians after they storm an embassy in a third world country. So kind of, yes, it captures some of the classic what you'd expect, but um, it goes into a lot more background and detail. And Interesting movie. Good watch. Yep, I agree. Uh, here's here's the the oldest uh, movie to crack the list, which is Flying Leathernecks in 1951. <laughs> Good one. Uh, uh, Major Kirby leads Wildcat Squadron in in the historic World War II Battle of Guadalcanal. Very nice. So th- this one, I'm you know what I bet I've seen it. I can't be sure, but like given my given my movie uh, history, I, I I'm almost positive I've seen this one. Yeah, I think it's one of those movies for me, same thing. Like, I can't remember much of it, but I'm like, when I was deep into the into the history, I definitely watched it. The last movie on my list here, uh, A Few Good Men. A Few Good Men, yes. Tom Cruise, Demi Moore, Jack Nicholson, 
you know, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super quotable. Another one that most people would probably recognize, uh, even if they didn't realize. Yeah, I got that one too. That was your last one you said? That was my last movie. I have a couple of TV shows yeah. as well. So let me get tell you a couple of movies I have. So I have Born on the 4th of July, directed by Oliver Stone and starring Tom Cruise, based on the autobiography of Ron Kovic. Kovic? And it's basically the life of, uh, of Kovic uh, over a 20-year period where it talks about his childhood, him joining the, the Marines, going to Vietnam, getting injured, ending up on a wheelchair and becoming an anti-war activist. Good movie. Yeah, good movie. Well done, dude. Well, well, well done. Wind Talkers. Mm. Wind Talkers is, uh, is uh, Nicolas Cage. A couple people on it, but it's basically about the real story of the Navajo code talkers during World War II. So the Germans, the Germans kept uh, breaking the Americans' code and being able to basically know their plans. The Americans started using Navajos to just use their, their, their language to speak to other Navajos and be able to, to send information and plans without the Germans being able to break that code because it's basically the language of the uh, Native American people. So yeah, the un, an unbroken code. Yes, yes. So that was Wind Talkers. That, that was great. Um, that is now that you mentioned that one. So that's 2002. I definitely saw that in theaters. And so that was been one that I probably saw before I was set on exactly what I was doing. I remember that now. Yeah. There's your Pacific, uh, your Pacific action too. So my oldest film that I have on my list is the DI starring, uh, Jack Webb. Have you seen that one? Hang on. Let me look. I don't, I don't think so. And DI for anybody listening, uh, stands for drill instructor. In the Marine no, Corps, I haven't seen that. In the Marine Corps, the drill instructors are called drill instructors, DIs. In the Army, for example, they're called like drill sergeants. So it's it's what separates the two uh, when it comes to it. Basically, it's uh, it's a it's the story of a drill instructor on Paris Island who has a very difficult recruit who doesn't look like he has what it takes to be a Marine and just is having a difficult time in boot camp. And this DI believes in him and basically pushes him to become, you know, the Marine that they both know he's supposed to be. The problem is that it, it goes back to like the, the, the recruit had brothers who died in, in the service. Um, and like he just he doesn't have an enemy scared. And, the, you know, it, again, you're talking about a movie from like, uh, was it 1957, 56? Yeah. 57. They couldn't go too deep and too detailed. So it was like the drill instructor changes his life and makes him into a great Marine. But it's Jack Webb. Jack Webb is an amazing actor who ends up then creating the show Dragnet. Um, you know, a very hardcore pro LAPD TV show in the 60s. You know, remade with Dan Aykroyd and uh, Tom Hanks in the 80s. Uh, but yeah, so that's that's the oldest movie I have on mine. Uh, Di, and then there's a there's a very small film called Brothers with um, Tobey Maguire, uh, Natalie Portman, and I think Jake Gyllenhaal, and it's basically about uh, one Marine who is believed to be dead in a POW camp, and how his brother comes in like you know starts taking care of his family, him and the girl fall in love. Uh, and then it turns out that the brother was actually still alive in a POW camp. So it's like a little drama. I just it it's a it's a worth mention for me for some reason. I remember watching the movie and thinking, oh okay, it's better than Pearl Harbor. 
I've actually, <laughs> ouch, I've actually seen that movie. <laughs> now that you bring that one up too, I did see that. I don't know. I think I saw it well after. Uh, it wasn't one that I saw in theaters, but I have seen that. All right. So what TV series do you got for us? Okay. So uh, Generation Kill, Ugh. which I still haven't seen, but you, Wait, you have. I Not only have I seen it, but I lived it. Generation Kill was written by a uh, Rolling Stone um, journalist who was embedded with the Marines as they were as they were as they crossed from Kuwait into Iraq into Baghdad, and he was writing small articles for Rolling Stone, and then eventually they all got turned into a book. But basically, imagine if we, for anyone listening, imagine watching Generation Kill. And whatever company or unit was to the right or left of them, that was me. <laughs> so, yeah, I love Generation Kill. It is incredibly accurate. It is so well done. John Huertas, Alexander Skarsgård. It's got a ton of people that I can't remember now. But it is one of the most accurate, next to like Band of Brothers, it's one of the most accurate shows that I've seen when it comes to depicting military time. Uh, uh, time in the military and that specific uh and again i can only say it's it's accurate because i was there during the time so definitely right up my right up my alley yeah and uh there's another um uh hbo little mini series the pacific the pacific also well done i was not a fan of it though i watched yeah. it and i was like ah, it's not what i thought it was gonna be but i but it, again it was done well it just wasn't my cup of tea and then uh, Gomer Pyle. Oh, fuck USMC. yes. Fuck yes. <laughs> a thousand times. Which which is the one I have seen. <laughs> of course you have. God damn it. <laughs> so for those who don't know, <laughs> tell them what Gomer Pyle USMC was. So Gomer Pyle is a uh, sitcom about a... It's like a tie-in to the Andy Griffith show. So you've got... Gomer Pyle, when he's in boot camp, trying to become a Marine. And it is a ridiculous uh, variant. It is uh, like literally eat off the floor. The drill sergeant literally eats off the floor. So I remember I was a huge fan of um, Andy Griffith's show. And then I joined the Marines. And then somebody mentioned to me that like uh, Gomer Pyle, why do you think they call you know, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio's character, Private Pyle, in, in Full Metal Jacket. I'm like, I have no fucking idea. They're like, it's because of a show called Gomer Pyle USMC. And I was like, what is that? Then I watched it. I'm like, wait a minute. This is the same guy from the Andy Griffith show. So the spinoff was that he leaves fucking Mayberry and joins the Marines and has the most patient drill instructor slash sergeant I have ever fucking seen. This is This is Vietnam times. This fucking guy should have been beaten, kicked, <laughs> fucking tortured, anything to get him set straight. But nobody put their hands on Gomer Pyle. God damn it, was it infuriating. Not only that, Gabe, that show was on for five fucking seasons. He, uh, he spent a very long time. Very long time. But that's fantastic that that show was made. I, I love the it's, fact that it was made. I, I like that you went backwards because, like... I knew the reference by the time I saw Full Metal Jacket because I went into it having seen like I knew Gomer Pyle. And so when I went in, I was like, oh, yeah, he's, you know, he's being mocked because 
Gomer Pyle is terrible. He's a terrible Marine. Yeah, no, I uh, had the other one. I, I, I was. That's funny. Yeah, no, it was funnier watching that show going. Oh, wow. wow. I, I wonder, imagine the, the incredulity. I wonder what Marines felt about this show in the 70s, in the 60s when the show oh, was man. on. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so that's all the TV shows and movies I've got and you've got. The next thing I want to talk about is fictional Marines, right? This is basically actors playing Marines in TV shows or movies, characters being used as Marines in books or comics or or um, or toys, basically, right? So I'll start it off with like G.I. Joe's, right? G.I. Joe's is a is an interesting special forces unit. <laughs> is that basically what G.I. Joe's are? Yeah. Because they're from yeah. every service, right? Yeah, they have like definitely from every service. It's every service, yeah. So so what I have is I've compiled a list of G.I. Joe's that were that technically their background is Marines. I'm very curious to hear about that. So everybody knows Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter was a Marine. The best name. The best name. Then you have the most obvious name, Leatherneck. <laughs> <laughs> Leatherneck was... So the way you know Leatherneck is because he has the uh, the the Marine cover. So for for those who aren't Marines listening, the cover is your hat, and the Air Force wears a baseball cap, the Army wears a uh, a regular uh, military hat, the Navy wears the Donald Duck hat, you know, like that. The Marines have the little five points that are very prominent in your cover, and that's how you know. So Leatherneck had that, and that's how you knew he was a Marine. Then you had the second most obvious uh, G.I. Joe, whose name was uh, Gung Ho. And Gung Ho... Okay. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't Gung- realize how easy it would be oh, to yeah, identify no. these guys. Gung Ho <laughs> was fucking bad. He was a bad mamma jamma. Gung Ho had the hat. He also had a vest that was never buttoned because he had an enormous E-G-A on his fucking chest. And gut. <laughs> and, oh, actually, six-pack. So that's, oh, that's how you knew... That's how you knew he was actually a Marine. That's yeah, how you knew he was that. a Marine, because he had a fucking enormous Marine logo tattooed on his fucking neck and... Uh, on his chest, neck, and stomach, goddammit. Goddamn gung-ho was the fucking best. <laughs> gung-ho was gung-ho. Gung-ho was gung-fucking-ho. But yeah, that vest opened with his dog tags, and he even had the handlebar mustache, because that's how fucking badass gung-ho was. Oh, I love it. And then you have like mainframe, bullhorn, blast off, mace, mirage, hollow point, other special forces, G.I. Joe members who were also Marine backgrounds. Didn't care about them because they did not have any USNC tattoos on them. With that, we're going to go into superheroes who served in the Marines, huh? Some fun shit right here. Now, the most well-known one that I'm sure we'll discuss in other things, because technically he had a TV show also, uh, The Punisher, Frank Castle, former Marine, Netflix TV show, which is pretty damn good. Uh, So he is, I think, top of the list of former Marines that are superheroes. I've seen the background be given more nebulously, but I've always chosen to ignore when people did that. And he definitely gets his he gets his marine. Now here's a here's another surprising one for you, maybe Gabe. 
Because in the MCU, James Rhodes, aka War Machine, is Air Force. In the comic book world, though, he is Marine. He's a pilot. That's, a, that's much better. Much better. Why would you change that? With a name like fucking War Machine? Yeah, you're a fucking Marine. So that's uh, that's number two on the list. It's like gung-ho. <laughs> Close. Now, he be- should. He should be. That makes way more sense. Because of my affinity for Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart comes up as number three. Also, former Marine who ends up uh, getting the the Green Lantern ring and being a Green Lantern. Ben Grimm. Do you know that name? Yeah. The thing. uh, The thing. The thing. In the in the in the early comics, he was his reference. He was referenced as being having been in the military and having been a Marine. Something that obviously later on was not as as well known. In the MCU, uh, Nick Fury's like number one. The girl he always calls Maria Hill. Uh, I think she was portrayed by the girl that was also in like How I Met Your Mother. I forget her name. Kobe Smothers, I think is her name. Anyway, Maria Hill, background, Marine, before she joined S.H.I.E.L.D. Pretty badass. Spawn. Yes. Was he really? Spawn is is in the comic lore, canon, as a former Marine. Special Forces. Eh? Azrael. Do you know the name Azrael from DC Comics? I do. The man who took over as Batman when Bane broke uh, Batman's back. Azrael, former Marine. All right. Yeah. And speaking of Batman, if I said to you, Marvel's poor man's Batman, who would you think? Poor man's? Yeah. Not quite Bruce Wayne, but somebody trying to copy Bruce Wayne in the Marvel Universe. Now, he's recently gotten a lot popular because Oscar Isaac is going to be playing him in the uh, Disney Plus TV show. Oh, yeah? Yeah. He's getting his own. Is that... uh moon knight moon knight yes moon knight the story i don't know much about him at all i know the name and that's it so the story is that moon knight is a person that is a mercenary who goes into a ancient egyptian tomb and gets bestowed the powers of moon knight well before he was a mercenary he was a marine So it's the logical career path from Marine to Mercenary to Tomb Raider. I it feel definitely like. is. And then last but not least on the list is a superhero uh, that was with the X-Men for a bit named Thunderbird. Native American, former Marine. Nice. Yeah. You know, uh, it's not it's not quite a fit for this, but I, out of curiosity, while you were bringing this up, I, I looked up uh, Wolverine. He was a Canadian Marine. Uh, so. Hey, you know what? I'll take it. Account. Shout out to uh, uh, our hat and their <laughs> Marines as well. Okay, so we should mention something. Um, this is probably going to be a two-parter. Now, it's going to release on the same day, but I don't want somebody to have a two-and-a-half-hour podcast, so I'll probably break it down into two one-hour podcasts. <laughs> that's, that's fair. So if you hear... You got to give people a natural break of us. Yeah, if you hear me reintroducing it and then the the conversation continues, it's just because I didn't want you to have a two and a half hour podcast. You're going to have a two one hour podcast because I'm looking at the time and I'm like, we're halfway through and we have tons to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Marines and pop culture, goddammit. 